Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Balanced Black Girl. Last week, we talked about the intersection of Christianity and human design, specifically for those who are looking for ways to explore spiritual modalities while still respecting their faith. Today, we're going to be diving into more of the spiritual side of things as we wrap up our Raising Your Vibration series with a brand new interview from special guest, Aaliyah Lovely. Aaliyah is an energy reader and coach, spiritual teacher, and host of the Spiritual Shit Podcast. She helps people discover and move past their blocks through empathetic energy healing, mediumship, channeling, writing, and mentorship. And she specializes in helping people find the answers they're looking for within themselves and through spirit. And she is truly the perfect guest to take us home as we round out this series. We talk about understanding how to check in with your own energy, understanding masculine and feminine energy, ways to make necessary shifts to align our reality with desired outcomes, and navigating spaces as an empath or highly sensitive person. Aaliyah provides really unique perspectives on life, love, spirituality, manifestation, and more. So let's get into it. <laughs> Aaliyah, welcome to Balanced Black Girl. I am super excited to have you here because I've actually wanted to have you on the show for quite some time. And I'm really? glad that the time, yeah, finally aligned. Uh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Definitely. So I learned about your work through Sharin, who is a mutual friend of ours, mutual friend of the podcast. I actually recently shared a rewind of an interview that she and I did a little while ago. Um, so she's the one who introduced me to your work, but I would also love to introduce you to members of our community who are maybe just now getting to know you. So I would love to start off by learning a little bit more about your spiritual journey and how you came to be a spiritual teacher. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and Sharin is absolute magic. Shout out to her. Um, my journey is uh, a long one, but the short version of it is um, I grew up, um, you know, what I would call a, an occult-like Christian uh, background. 
um, very, very heavily into church um, four days a week. And um, while I had, a, I would say, a decent childhood uh, for the most part, um, you know, besides the normal stuff, like an emotionally unavailable parent and, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, I, 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 I feel like I was really immersed as like trying to do Christianity right. And so like it, it was literally my obsession and everything that I did was surrounded on what would Jesus do and all this kind of things. But um, as a child, I had these, what I would have called at the time curses um, where I was able to see spirits, ghosts, angels, whoever you want to cross or call them and uh, have interactions with spirits, have dreams that would come true, premonitions and so on. So um at first it was kind of like, oh, she has the gift of prophecy. She has the gift of, you know, whatever. And then it was like, demons are possessing her or demons are messing with her. And it became this like really scary, dark kind of thing. And so when I was about 10, I had this experience where someone came into my room, um, you know, was hanging over my bed, the whole like very stereotypical, like what you see in the movies um, where, you know, they were messing with my covers and pulling them over my head. And I thought it was my mom um, because the way that the the figure was shaped. And so uh, when it left, it it walked out and it was really creepy, kind of like walk like a marionette. It was just like really eerie, whatever, um, and slammed the door. So the next morning when I went to my parents, I was like, dad mom was in our room and she's trying to mess with me and she's trying to scare me and he's like uh, she wasn't in your room well Lisa come here you know and my mom's like I wasn't in her room and so then they started getting scared because they thought maybe someone was in the house like you know so they looked at the security cameras there's nothing there and um, I was going back and forth with them and they were like we heard you guys you were messing with the door and you were clicking with the thing and like and we're like that wasn't us (laughs) Mm. So it was kind of this like verified thing. So my father comes to me and pulls me, pulls me to the side and he says, okay, I know what this is. I see them too. And I was like, what? You see who too? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I realized and then my father has this, you know, gift and then my grandmother has this gift. And so it's just kind of something that's in the family that people know about, but don't talk about. So you know, my father was never really super comfortable talking about it. So it was just kind of one of those things. So when I was 16, uh, my grandfather died and um, he came to both of us in the in, the, in a dream in the same night. And he came to me and said, um, tell your father when, when he wakes up that Yachty said hi. And Yachty is the name that my father called him, you know, everybody else called him dad. And so um, I woke up and said, hey, I had a dream about grandpa. And he's like, what did he say? He jumped out of the bed. And I was like, before I could say, he said, Yachty said, hi. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, he came to me in a dream and said he was going to go to you um, to tell you to tell me this. So you, I would know it wasn't a dream wow. that I came to see you or whatever. So, uh, oh, I have chills again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there it was like stuff like that. Things like that would happen throughout my life that was kind of like in and out. Um, but it was stuff that I never really felt like I could acknowledge or embrace. And I hated that people thought I was weird or it was also seen as weird by my family. And so it was just, uh, you know, something that you kind of really tried to shut down and suppress. So I became this very hardened, um, non-emotional, didn't cry. I prided myself that I never cried. And um, until I was with my now ex-husband um, and he suffered a brain aneurysm. So he almost died. 
And it was like this, this emotion and all this opening and I'm feeling all these things. What is this? You know, um, that started to really break me open again. And so that was the process of part of my awakening. And then as our marriage and relationship became more toxic, um, I, you know, figured out that he's actually a narcissist and, um, there's all these abusive qualities that I just didn't notice because, you know, I was used to a certain type of behavior from people in my life. And so it was just, it was just one of those things where it was like, suddenly my eyes started to quickly open all at once. Um, and I was like, this is, I don't want this anymore. I don't, I don't want it to be treated this way. I don't want it like, and it set me on this path towards like, what is it that I deserve? And what do I, what do I want to have? And starting to dig back into my sensitivities, I came across paths with people that were, I know, divinely guided towards me to help me understand what it is that I was here to do and who I am and the power that I have. And that was, uh, it was when I lived in New York, it was a big part of me embracing that because you go up to somebody in New York and say, oh, I'm a psychic. And people are like, oh yeah, me too. And it's like, not a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas like here, people are like looking at you like you have foreheads. And so um, it was never really comfortable with claiming the title psychic. I thought felt really incom- uncomfortable with it. Um, I felt more comfortable with like empath or, um, you know, someone that was like clairsentient or clairaudient or, you know, whatever. So um, at that point, um, you know, somewhere a little bit before that, my grandmother had died and I had some dreams and visitations with her and she's become a big guide of mine since then. And so I've been able to open up other, uh, I would say facilities, if you will, um, to connect with the other side in that way. So um, that was kind of like the beginning slash when it (laughs) swung back into my life. Um, I started seeing things again, hearing things again, developing things. And then I started my podcast um, almost two years ago called spiritual shit. So please go listen to it. (laughs) Shameless plug. Um, As a result of having some divine guidance from my spirit guide saying out loud, like you need to start a podcast. And I was like, a podcast, what am I going to talk about? You know, like, okay. Um, Right then, right before then I had just written a book. um, And it's funny, like the name of it escapes me at the moment. (laughs) Me, myself and why, why finding your other half is impossible before finding yourself. Mm. And so I was like thinking, maybe I'll be this like wellness person or wholeness person that tries to encourage women. Um, and then spirit was like, actually kind of, but a little different. <laughs> and so I started the podcast and told me the name, it's going to be spiritual shit. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So that's kind of how I got to be where I'm at here now talking to you. That was, I know that you said you were going to give us the cliff notes version, but I've, I have to say that's the most like beautifully cohesive and yet oh. still like perfectly Quick. detailed version. <laughs> and I know that there's so much more to your story than just that, but even the progression that you just described, my mind is like, oh <laughs> my goodness. And Thank I you. would love to dive into some aspects of your story a little bit more, particularly your experience leaning into your spiritual gifts after having a religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, in this community, we have people who are 
and just have various different uh, points, either in their religious journey and their spiritual journey. Last week on the podcast, you know, before this episode, we talked about human design and mm-hmm. embracing Christianity for folks who are maybe interested in including that modality, but are still of the Christian faith. I would love to hear more about your perspective, embracing your spiritual gifts while still having that religious background and what that looked like for you. Well, when I was, I, w- I would say that currently I, I'm not a Christian. Uh, I would say I'm a spiritual, just a spiritual person. I do believe in a higher power for sure. I do believe in Jesus as well. Uh, I just have a different definition of what that that may look like. Um, but I think that having a religious background is different than having a Christian background. Mm-hmm. If I can, you know, just make a distinguish, uh, distinguishing line there because religion to me is is the dogma part of it um you can have a belief system that's healthy and beautiful and your complete path and that you know no one can take that away from you and that should be something really beautiful that you practice um the the what i experienced was religion at dogmatic uh this is how this has to go there was no empathy no forgiveness you're a sinner you're going to hell like there was a lot of um let's go tell other people what's wrong with the way that they live um and it just it didn't sit well with me and so um and and in a lot of that there are a lot of boxes that are you know having to be checked and so when I developed these gifts or had these gifts or whatever. It was like, this doesn't fit in this box because it's not for the Lord, you know? And it's, there was a lot of judgment towards it. Like you have to, if you're going to have this gift, you have to do it this way. And if you're not catering and and being in church and doing this or whatever, then you're going to be taken over by the devil. Don't open the door. You know, don't, that was the big one. Don't open the door to anything spiritual. Cause like warfare will come in and, and, you know, kick the hell out of you. So it was always this scary thing. And I always felt, especially as a child, um, you know, there, there is more to this than I'm being taught. And I feel like I'm being controlled. And I feel like a lot of this is, is, is keeping me um, from really blossoming in a, in a beautiful way, spiritually things that I think that would benefit my walk with the Lord, if you will. And so when I took my, uh, my walk away from God, I can I I became an atheist at some point because I was like, I just can't get with how this is being told to me. Mm -hmm. And I can't seem to express myself spiritually at the same time, um, without being able to redefine what my belief systems are. And so that took me a few years. It took me a good three or four years for me to really get my feet back on the ground. That was with guidance from my grandmother to help me after she passed, because I had, I remember when she was on her deathbed and I, I didn't want to ask her personally, you know, cause she's sitting there trying to die. And I'm thinking out, like over and over and over, please come back and talk to me and tell me what happens when you die. I don't want to be on the wrong side of this. Mm. And so, and sure enough, she came to me in a dream and she, she gave me, um, and I'll save that because like, I don't want anybody else to feel conflicted if they listen to this and they, they feel comfortable in their belief system. But mm-hmm. like she, she gave me the peace that I needed to feel like I could move on. Yeah. And that was really special. So for me, that's giving me uh, a, an ability and I've, it's worked. It's taken some time for me to forgive my past and forgive, um, you know, people who are probably well-meaning, well-intentioned, um, but I believe misinformed. 
and uh, gave me an opportunity to express love to them still and, and also walk on my own way that helped me develop and utilize what I think uh, is tangible for anyone to access. And we don't need these gatekeepers, you know, of people telling you like, I'm the psychic or I'm the person, or um, my mom is really like, about me using cards. Mm-hmm. I'm a card reader. So this is yeah. like my, my full-time job besides the podcast. I help people reflect on their energy. And to me, I was like, I don't understand what's demonic about that or what's evil about that. And so um, it's almost like a lot of people come away and say, it's like therapy. Like they sit down and we talk and we have this like really intensive, you know, speech and, and, and it's from utilizing me utilizing the cards as a tool for me to connect to spirit and tell this person from a place of discernment okay this is what I think is going on um not from a place of advisor not from a place of like I'm your guru and I'm psychic and I know all the things it's just I can connect to other people's energy really well and so can everybody you know when you start to look at that it's not something some secret sauce it's not extra spiritual either I think it's a human thing where like my call with you, for instance, like guys who are listening, um, I've only spoken with you once before. Yeah, and yeah. as soon as we got on the phone and I heard the frequency of your voice, I was like, oh, I'm going to love her. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that already. And like, and, and p- people tend to know that they tend to know when they go on a store that they don't want to shop there. I got a weird vibe about this place or they meet someone and they don't know why they don't like them. You know, they're picking up on these vibes and these vibes to me are not necessarily uh, this woo-woo mystical kind of thing. It's actually a part of our our science that a lot of people don't understand yet. Our hearts have an electromagnetic field that goes six, seven feet outside of our bodies, our brain about four. So our heart is actually the biggest spiritual organ, if you will, that helps us connect to the world, the, the uh, auric world, the ethereal world, the energetic world. And so when we cross paths with another person and we connect and we swipe their energy, we get vibes, we get feelings and, you know, and that's not a weird thing. So if you're able to embrace that part of yourself, you know, you'd be surprised what else comes in and how you're able to connect to other other spirits, other entities. And some people are like, no, 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 like that's really scary. And I was I was there too at some point, really, really scared of that, those kinds of interactions. But what I learned is, is that like, there's nothing to be afraid of. We've been taught for a long time to be afraid of these things because it was a measure of control. So that way we didn't access God in a way that, that, other people had access to. It was a gatekeeper kind of thing. If I can tell, I'm the interpreter of what God said, you know, um, back in the eighties when psychics call me now, you know, had the 900 <laughs> numbers and so on. It was like, there are these people who have these gifts, but like we were taught that only certain people have these gifts. And I think that we're awakening in a time when everybody can recognize that they have these gifts. In fact, I just released a podcast today saying, do you have psychic gifts? Of course you do. Um, And it's just about you leaning into them and developing them and believing in not doubting yourself through that, like that intuition that's trying to come in. And I believe that I really believe that's where your spiritual journey starts to, to rocket you know, like really catapult because you start believing in yourself, trusting in yourself, not looking on Google for further data, not going to so-and-so and looking for further proof. I think you're in a place where you start to really understand that I am a spiritual being. I am a child of God. I am connected to the universe and I am made of stardust, you know, like, so if that's the case, then I should be able to connect in ways that um, allow me to, to utilize the information that's in the ether um, as a way to help guide me or make my life, 
you know, even a little bit easier, help me help other people and so on. Yeah. I so appreciate that perspective and even the way that you described our vibrations and the signals that we put out, or even the ways that we can pick up on certain things. If we are in an environment and something feels off and we don't know why we can't describe it, but we can feel it. Like we've Mm -hmm. all been there right now on the podcast, like this series of episodes, I've been talking about raising our vibration. And I think one of the most important things to do is to be able to understand what our energy is saying, like mm-hmm. what is our energy attracting? And I was really inspired to create this series because I personally have been experiencing a really big gap between my desires and what I'm receiving that's caused mm-hmm. me to do a lot of reflection on my own energy. So right. what are some initial steps we can take to understand what our energy is saying and how we mm-hmm. can understand what we're signaling? Well, a lot of times, that's a wonderful question because people are asking always, what are what is the energy outside of me saying, right? It's like, but also you have an energy, you have a pulse, you have something that's communicating to the rest of the world as well. And so, um, you know, to me, it's 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 a big part of rooting. Um, root, if you know the chakra system, it is the the first chakra, it's the red one, it's the one that's like connecting us most to earth. And us being able to connect to our root um, in a more plain way, I would say self-acceptance, like connecting to yourself, learning how to center yourself. Um, If you don't know yourself, you don't know your energy. If you don't know like what it's like to sit alone with yourself and what that feels like, then you can't know what it's like to be in the presence of someone else and someone else feel you. And so um, I had a year where I sat by myself for, uh, you know, most, a lot, a lot of people did that during COVID, right? Yeah. Um, I did that a couple of years prior before uh, moved into this apartment by myself and uh, after my divorce. And I just, you know, I was like, okay, I just need to learn how to be like, figure out who I am. What is it that I like? What is it that I don't like? How do I identify? Like, what are the things that bother me and trigger me? Or like, what are the wounds that I need to start working on? And I did a lot of um, introspective work thinking about energy, because for instance, if you think about energy, like uh, your bank account, yeah. Okay. Like an investment. Think of it like money. Um, we have or should have uh, uh, a certain amount of budget, you know, that we have per day that we utilize. And um, hopefully in the meantime, we're, we're cultivating uh, activities that essentially build us a surplus of energy. Right. But often what people do is they spend their energy in places that they wouldn't or shouldn't invest in that are bad investments essentially. So we continue to drain our energy day after day, after day, after day. And then when it's time for us to cash out, we have nothing in our bank. Okay. So in that regard, we have nothing to offer other people. Um, We are, you know, maxed out, tapped out, irritated, triggered. Um, Don't bother me, you know, like, and, and this is where we get uh, maybe a little bit more insight on our own energy, because it's like, if we don't have any to give, well then, you know, what is it that we're attracting? You know, you need energy to attract things into your life. We, me and Sharon talk to death about manifestation. We have a course called manifest them, go to manifestthem.com if you want to check that out. <laughs> um, but where we talk about, you know, uh, our energy being a mirror, um, what it is that we attract into our own lives based off of the energy we're emitting. And so I had to look at myself. Um, a good example is, is dating, right? 
Um, I got out of this really toxic relationship, divorced. It was the only boyfriend I'd ever really had. Most of my life, uh, I've always been the best friend. Um, guys always being like, I just, I love Aaliyah, but like, don't love you, you know? Um, yes. and so I was like, why is it that I always end up being the best friend, but nobody's attracted to me or whatever. And so I made that a very personal thing that I am not worthy of love. It's because I'm black. It's because I'm this, it's because I'm that, um, I'm this size, you know, whatever. And so, uh, I had all these reasons and narratives that infected my energy, um, that I believed then when I would come to the table in a dating situation or whatever, it was very clear that I didn't feel like I hadn't very much self-worth. And so then people would treat it, treated me as such. So that energy emitted from me that I, I didn't believe that I deserved much. So people didn't treat me like I like should. And then that was more and more reinforcing the belief that I had about myself. And so what then happens to a lot of us is that um, because of that energy expenditure, we then start to make up narratives around it because it's like our, our ego starts to get used to, this is a pattern that I see in my life and I'm comfortable with this pattern. And it's better to have the devil that you know versus the devil that you don't. So it's better if we can predict behavior based on that pattern. So your ego would rather be right than your soul be happy. So we tend to go, okay, well, you know, all men are trash and they're going to act like this. And I know when I go on this date, that person's going to be like this or whatever. And you come to the table with that energy. Are you not surprised that it ends up exactly how you said it was? Not because you're correct, but because you are essentially affecting the energy that's here, that's coming to fruition. You are the manifester of that cycle and people that might, you know, rub some feathers the wrong way. But like I had to, I had to look at that in my own self because I was like, well, to the, to a degree, people are trash. That's just life, right? Like some people just are trash. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to say that, but, <laughs> but I don't have to continue to cross energetic paths with those people. Why do I continue to attract those people in my life? I think I'm a good person. I think I'm, I'm a good girl. You know, like, why is it that I continue to run into people like this? Well, guess what, Aaliyah? <laughs> you, my energy was saying, I am a vibrational match to this type of person. This is the type of belief set that I have in my life. So I'm a vibrational match for that person. So guess what? Like attracts like birds of a feather. <laughs> so spirit goes, okay, great. All right. This is, this matches with this. And we put these two, two together. So I said, I need to, you know, like you said, raise your vibration. Another way to put it was, is clean out the junk. Mm -hmm. um, I looked at the rot that was sitting inside of me and said, um, um, it's time for me to let this go. It's taking up energy. It's taking up space. Um, you know, Marie Kondo, your, your, your heart, if you will, if nobody knows I who Marie Kondo that. is, it's a, uh, She's the, the clutter queen, like get, yeah. get rid of things that don't bring you joy. And I was like, there's so many things I'm holding on to in my life that are not bringing me joy. And I'm holding on to them as measures of protection to essentially keep the rug from being pulled from underneath me again. And this is hard, like really harnessing or holding me back from, you know, the, the true, um, you know, bliss that I could be experiencing because I'm afraid of being vulnerable and, and like, cause it, to vulnerability is to actually hope for what it is that you truly desire. And, and I know that for a lot of us as black women, gosh, you know, to do that, there's an added layer of difficulty there. Right. And so, you know, I, I remember seeing this meme, I, th I think we talked about it where a woman said, um, I would love for people to never have to call me strong again. Yes. Oh, you're strong or never to have to be called resilient. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's that added layer of toughness, of protection, of I need to make sure, and, you know, I'm going to stand and, you know, and that energy of us from, from what's been the oppression and the discrimination and the trauma, the pure trauma that we've had to experience. So I'm going through all of that, having to sort through all of that and say, none of this brings me any joy. And while it is how I've experienced the world, I would like to experience something different. I would like to attract experiences that say, this doesn't happen to me anymore. I know my sister, I remember talking to her and I'm like, why does this happen to her all the time? Every time she'd go into a hair store, people would follow her, um, see if she's stealing or not or whatever. She'd go in a store and, you know, like, and it was because she's, she's a very flamboyantly dressed black woman. And I thought this never happens to me, but I'm also not looking for it. And so like, I don't, and and it could be happening, but I don't experience it anymore. And so I I said, because this is something I don't, I don't want to experience. So I don't look for it. And like, while I'm, I'm not telling or, you know, guilting anybody for anything, any trauma that they've been through, like, you know, God bless you. But what I'm saying is, is that regardless of what's happened to you, do you want to hold on to that? Uh, do you want to keep that? Does it serve you? Because typically it does in some way, like we, we don't hold on to things that don't serve us. And so for me, mine was always like, uh, you know, I'm never going to have love, um, had some very um, pervading narratives that uh, I believe were are keeping me from being able to manifest the kind of life I wanted. Because like I had said earlier, my, my ego wanted to be right. And I had these kind of protection narratives that um, if I, you know, didn't allow myself Uh, to be vulnerable, then I I wouldn't be able to get this thing. So um, when the year, like in 2019, I was kind of gearing up to go on this big travel year. And I was like, all right, I'm not shooting any weddings this year because I'm actually a photographer too. Um, I'm not going to shoot any weddings next year. I'm going to take this year for myself to get to know myself. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do all the stuff, whatever. Um, you know, hindsight, that was actually a great decision because I didn't have to reschedule a thousand weddings, but that, yes. <laughs> you know, there. Um, so I, I, I went on, you know, this kind of pilgrimage for myself and I had this dream that I was supposed to go to Bali. And so I went to Bali for two months, um, right as COVID kind of came down and, uh, I went there by myself, not knowing anyone. And I said, I am going to heal while I'm here. I'm going to rest I'm going to start to lean into my feminine energetic, which feminine energetic is just inward directed energy and instead of outward directed energy, um, masculine energetic is like, I need to do, I'm going to work. I'm, you know, whatever. So you get the point, but, um, and, and, and I spent time there trying to really get intimate with my energy. Like, what is it that I'm emitting into the universe? What it is that I'm, I'm magnetizing in my life. I'd like to shift and change things in a really big way. And so while I was there, um, I was going to go see Reiki practitioners and I met the most insane group of girls that like, if I'd ever gone to Bali again, it would never be like that because of the people that I met while I was there, um, totally attracted those people. We were all there for healing and had, you know, we're really on the same page, but while I was there, I was, um, you know, doing a yoga class and I I'd really leaned into, um, you know, spirit, tell me what it is I need to hear. Show me areas of my life I need to integrate, um, you know, unveil to me areas that I have been, um, you know, have been lies or deceit for my, my, my abundance. Uh, I, I really want to be able to get a handle on what it means to, to be able to, um, you know, attract in without limitations. And to actually genuinely hope in all vulnerability 
um, you know, call in what it is I want for my life. And so, like we were saying earlier, you know, for those of us who are, are people of color, we haven't really had that experience or been able to ask for those things like that. Um, and so I, I wanted to do it like white people did it, you know, like I was watching all the, you know, watch the law of attraction and the secret and this and that. And I'm like, well, people, they just ask for stuff. I'm going to ask for shit too, you know? And so, um, I, I went to Bali and, and I had this experience where I was sitting in Shavasana and I, I saw a flash of, uh, a memory when I was nine years old and, at nine years old, I was participating in gymnastics at the YMCA and it was $25 a season, right? So summer, fall, winter, three. And um, my parents, we were, we were so, 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 so poor. And I had wanted to do gymnastics for like ever. I remember at three, like I was, that was just my obsession. And so um, when it came time for, you know, the next quarter, my coach would come to me and say, Hey, do you have the money? Uh, for next season. And I'm like, I, I don't have it. My parents haven't given it to me and okay, you know, make sure that they, you know, whatever. So every time I would come home from practice, my mom would be like, I'd be like, do you have the money for that? And she's like, oh, no, I don't. I'm sorry. And being a super empathic child, uh, you know, I, I, I hated how it felt when my mom said no, not because it affected me, but because I knew it affected her. And, you know, that feeling in her stomach, like, oh, I can't give my daughter what it is that she needs. I would feel that when she would say that. And so I, I had cultivated the belief that my desires hurt other people. So when I ask for things or when I want things, uh, it comes at a cost to someone I love. And so when, um, you know, a few seasons later, you know, um, I got a C on one of my math tests or something. We found out later I'm dyslexic and that's why. Um, but my dad was like, okay, well, you have to quit gymnastics. And I knew it wasn't because I had gotten a C. I knew it was because they couldn't afford it. Right. So I'm about 10 at this age and I'm going, okay, I, I, if I ever, I need to do something, then I will not ask for help. I'll do it myself. And I became this very strong hold independent. No, I don't want any help. No, nobody, you know, and that is how I lived most of my life. And so when it came to relationships, I attracted someone in my life who was incredibly passive, who took advantage of my ability to be a self-starter and independent and get things done and was then very jealous of me and made me feel like shit. You know, there was just this, this, this darkness that I attracted in, 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 in a person that was unwilling to, to help me in any kind of way, but rather would suck from me you know, benefit a lot from me. And that worked for me for a while because it was better than having to ask someone for someone, something. And, and, and even more that if I asked someone for something that they would want something back out of it or, or take it from me in some kind of way. So as I'm sitting here in Shavasana, the story comes to me and it all makes sense all of a sudden. It's like, okay, my spirit guides came in really loud and said, okay, now you have this memory. This is integrating part of your shadow. This is where you learned that you don't need help, that you don't need anyone in your life contributing to your to you and your needs and your wants. So this is why you haven't been able to attract in a partner or a relationship energetically. Like your energy says, I, I don't have space for that. I don't have room for anyone to come in. I can do this myself. And it like a like a wall of bricks hit me in the face. And I said, oh my God, this has been it the entire time. 
So, I mean, like all through high school, I never dated, um, all through college, never dated. Um, it like my, my ex-husband was the only boyfriend that I ever had, like serious boyfriend that I ever had because, um, you know, I, I held on to him for dear life, chasing him around the world, you know, because I was like, I can't let this go. You know, I basically, you know, proposed to myself. It was, it was really a sad situation. Like I bought my own ring and everything, you know, just trying to make this thing happen. I was so desperate anyway. And so, um, you know, there was just this, this moment of, of release. I cried and I thought, okay, I need to request and open myself and say, I'm, I'm ready to allow someone to be a part of my life in this way. I need to be vulnerable. I want to be open. Uh, I need to be balanced. You know, I can't all just be in my masculine do, 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 do. Um, I need to also let myself receive and, and an energy, you know? So I worked on that. I went and saw this Reiki healer girl. Her name is Holly Sloof. If you're interested in getting a session Ooh. from her, yeah. um, she did the session on me and it was to open up my heart chakra. And so we did this session. It was this really beautiful, like I'm sitting there and I'm having all these flashes and dreams and whatever. And, um, you know, it made me really tired. So after the session was over, uh, I took a nap and I had this dream and the dream. And this is like, if you want to talk about spiritual shit, here we go. Cause this <laughs> I'm gonna take you on a small ride here real quick. Yeah. Take it. So I had this dream where I was, um, sitting on the front stoop of like, a a you know, a government building or something. <clears throat> That's what it looked like. And I was sitting there with my sister and we were eating pizza. <laughs> and while we were looking down, there was a group of eight men, eight black men that were marching, protesting. Mind you, this was in February. So February of 2020, uh, yeah, 2020. And, um, and actually it was February 22nd. And so that's 222, which is an angel number for partnership and, you know, relationships, by the way, sorry, side note. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, I was having this dream and there was eight black men marching. And so they kind of pivot and start to run, come up the stairs. And when they come up the stairs, they, um, you know, like are starting to, you know, bother us a little bit, but uh, you know, I'm like, what do you guys want? Whatever. And um, the, the guy in the front says, uh, can, would you come inside with me? So we walk inside, mind you, the Reiki session that I had, she'd said that pulled out that I'd had this past life where um, I utilized my womanly guiles, if you will, to get um, what it is that I wanted. I was high up in society, higher upper echelon or something like that. And I utilized my sex appeal uh, <laughs> to get men to do things that I wanted as far as like being able to maintain power of some kind. Um, so this was maybe my karma or something like that. That's what she said. So it's important to the dream. So when we yeah. go inside of the, the building, it looks like this old French saloon kind of like, you know, the really big, beautiful uh, rooms in France or in, in Victoria and England or whatever. And so he said, you know, may I have this dance? Mind you, we're in like Jordans and hoodies and stuff. <laughs> and so I said, okay, so we start taking, you know, doing this dance and the way that we um, are dancing is much like how they dance on like Bridgerton, you know, prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> And so our hands are, I remember our hands were um, up against each other. We weren't touching each other's bodies, but it was like this very sexy kind of dance. So then he says, will you join me in the back room? So we go in this back room, the back room's all red. And I'm like, okay, we know what happens here. And he was like, um, you know, do you, do you want to have sex? And I was like, I knew it. I knew you were going to be this kind of guy. And I knew you were going to blah, blah, blah. And um, he said, no, 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 no. You have me wrong. Do you want to have sex? Or do you want your equal and capable partner? And I said, 
I want my equal and capable partner. And he says, well, then wait for me. And it was kind of like, and then I woke up. Oh my goodness. Like a calling into, you know, a lot of these like kind of relation shits that I had, you know, (laughs) situationships um, (laughs) that I was having because I was lonely or because I was like, okay, well maybe this guy or maybe that, you know, whatever. And he's telling me, no, wait for me. And so it was this really like jarring visceral dream. So anyway, I call the friend who did the session for me and I was like, whoa, I had this insane dream after our session. Um, this guy telling me to wait for him. He kind of looks like this. So I sent her some pictures of uh, some celebrities that I could quite find really quickly. Um, and so she was like, well, then you, that's a sign. That's a sign. You need to lean into that. So fast forward to June, George Floyd, right? Yeah. Um, and the trauma that we experienced one person after another person, after another person, after another person, and it had gotten to the height at that point. Um, so I got on Bumble, not to date, but to talk and check in with black men. Cause I know the type of work that I do. And I know that our community doesn't seek out therapy as much as they should. And I said, okay, well, let me go and talk to some people and just check in and see how they are. Um, so I, I checked in and I found uh, this guy named David. <laughs> and um, I said, how's your heart King? And he was, he was really taken aback by that response. Like, wow, like that, nobody asks that kind of question. I had no agenda, no expectation, no, like, is this going to be the one? None of of that. I was just there to be of service and, um, and open and vulnerable in that exchange. So we met up and as soon as I saw him, I was like, holy fuck, that's the guy from the dream. Oh my gosh. It's the guy from the dream, you know, and I'm, I'm freaking out internally and I'm like, yeah. don't show your cards because don't let him know that you're crazy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and I do remember when I, like, I walked up to him, he immediately gave me a hug. And I remember pulling back and looking at his hands. And I was like, oh my God, this is the guy. I'm getting chills even saying it now. Yeah. So he was like, oh, it looks like we're both cancers. And I was, I was like, we're both cancers, really? And he's like, <laughs> when's your birthday? And I'm like, July 18th. And he's like, mine's July 19th. And I'm like, what? <laughs> So it was all these things that we ended up having these sinks around. And, um, you know, to cut the story a little bit shorter, um, 10 days later, he told me he loved me. And then, you know, we were in this like, you know, kind of whirlwind relationship, if you will. Um, Six weeks later, we decided we wanted to have a baby together, which also sounds crazy, but I was unsure. I was sure. I was like, this is the guy. Um, So get even more spiritual here. Um, I had had, I believe I had had a past life with him. So when I met him, I knew his energy. I was like, we've been here before. Like, it was like so easy. Like we've just, we just have this connection. That's just, I'm so thankful for, but the connection that we had previously, I believed was in Cairo in Egypt. So Mm -hmm. I had never told him about that because I was like, let the crazy come out slowly, you know, like (laughs) don't scare him away yet. And so we were, um, we ended up having a scare, a pregnancy scare period was late. And so I, at first was like, really like, oh my God, this can't happen or whatever. And then when we found out it wasn't, um, I wasn't pregnant, I was almost a little bit sad about that. And, you know, he was like, well, wait, what would, you know, you name your child. And I was like, well, I never let myself think about it because I've always had fertility issues. I've had, I have endometriosis. I have PCOS. Uh, Doctors always said like, it's, you're going to need actual assistance in order to have kids. You have fibroids, you know, like the whole deal. Right. Um, You can't have kids basically. So I never let myself think about it. 
Um, so he's like, um, what do you think about the name Cairo? And I'm like, huh? huh? You know, and, and it just like, wow, world of chills came down my body. And I thought, oh my God, he, it's him. It's a definitely him. Okay. Yeah. So a few weeks later I said, all right, well, you know, I'm just kind of looking for a sign, you know, to know that that's the right thing for us to do. Uh, things to feel complicated still. And, you know, I just want to make sure that this is the right choice. And I asked for a sign in that moment at 30 seconds later, I'm scrolling through my Instagram and uh, Tia Maori is shows mm-hmm. up on my feed. Now I don't follow mm-hmm. her. Uh, I, oh, I do now, but <laughs> I didn't follow her at the time. And she came up on the explore page. So I clicked on her, um, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, no idea why clicked on that and scrolled through, clicked on a random post that was like, I don't know, months old. And it's her with her, her, her husband and her child. And she's like TBT to, um, my five-year anniversary renewal. Um, we like to renew our vows every five years, but we didn't on our 10th year anniversary because I was way pregnant with Cairo. And I was like, I threw my phone. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, you asked for a sign. And that was like, that yes. was a sign of signs. That was the biggest sign I've ever received in my fucking life. But I threw my phone and he was like, you have to listen to that. Like you tell your followers, you tell your people, like they need to listen to signs. Like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, let's do this. I said, but here's the deal. If we will try for one month and if we get pregnant, we'll, we'll know that this was like an ordained thing. This was supposed to happen. She's, she or he's supposed to come in. Um, if it doesn't happen, we'll wait a year. And he was like, okay. And I got pregnant on the first try. Oh my goodness. So now I have this beautiful baby girl who's three months old and uh, who just the love of my, my life and uh, motherhood has been a really, really difficult road. I'll say, but uh, a really beautiful one. So all that to say like that whole journey of, you know, healing that needed to take place and the manifestations that came through it and from it was as a result of me opening myself up to what could have been possible and asking for the top not settling for what I thought was feasible, not trying to protect myself out of fear, keeping myself from getting hurt. Um, and, 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 you know, letting go down this, like this, the shield that I've had to carry most of my life for the appearances of being strong and to be protected. I wanted to be soft. I wanted someone to see me for who I was from, for my soul, for, for my goofiness, you know, like, I didn't want to have to be that independent woman who's, you know, tearing down buildings and stuff. I am that person, but I wanted someone who would treat me and, and in a, in a way that was like, I'm a soft person too. Yeah. And, but I had to be soft to attract someone who was able to come in to make space for someone who says, I got that for you. Don't worry about that. I'll get the door. I'll get this. I'll get that. And it was really hard for me to accept at first. Cause I mean, David, that's, that's his, his whole thing. He wants to show up. Let me show up and show you I'm capable, you know, and I wasn't used to having that in my life. And so that was also a shift that I needed to happen, you know, as we became in a more serious relationship, like I still have struggles with like, no, 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 I can take care of it. And he's like, drop it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, fine. (laughs) So it's been, it's been a really beautiful process and progress and being able to discover that, you know, when you ask for things, ask with your full heart ask with your full intention. Don't ask with maybe I'll have, or that could be, or whatever. And don't ask from a place of scarcity either, you know, because you'll just find yourself in that same cycle where you'll say, oh, see, I knew that wasn't going to work out for me. You know, like I had to truly open my heart and say, okay, this is possible. I will wait for what it is that I truly want 
and 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 understand that I'm not going to hear sit over here and dilly dally with this boy or this person or you know it's like you you ask for this four course meal and you're over here snacking on pretzels and it's like save <laughs> perfect analogy save the, the, your appetite for the real deal here okay yeah <laughs> because if you don't when it come when it shows up you won't be hungry you won't recognize it and that's something that I had to learn because I had been snacking you know, not just like as far as relationships goes, but also abundance, like on jobs that I didn't want, friendships I didn't want, experiences I didn't want. And I was snacking on these things because they seem feasible and they seem close by. But these weren't things that I ultimately truly really desired. So I had to make space. I had to Marie Kondo and, and throw that shit out. And it made space for the most beautiful manifestations I've ever had in my life. And that is my testimony. Oh, my goodness. Now I have chills, even though I, I, you know, I'd listened to your podcast and I'd heard it before mm-hmm. or heard when you told it on your podcast, still hearing you retell it in real time. It's just is such a beautiful story. And there's so much in that, that I can relate to wholeheartedly the independence, the feeling like needing things does a disservice to others mm-hmm. and the snacking and, you know, it, I have not yet received my manifestations, but can relate to so much that that space that you were in before. And it just Mm. makes me feel very hopeful and inspired. It's possible, girl. (laughs) Yes. I apparently have a much longer lead time. (laughs) You know, people say that and I I kind of giggle a little bit because I was like, man, I've been waiting for like 10 years. I was in that terrible, awful relationship waiting for that person to come. And I was like, well, I made my bed. So I have to stay in this relationship being abused and whatever. Like spirit was just, I mean, I believe God spirit or whatever was trying to get a hold of me and say, claim what it is that you desire and, and it'll be yours, you know, ask for what it is that you really, really want. And like, it took me a long time to get out of that marriage. And then it took another three, four years of me trying to figure that out, um, you know, to get to that space where then it manifested very, very quickly. But it, it took me a long time to get a hold of my ego and it took a long time to get a hold of my healing. And then, you know, like also there's just timing involved, right? Like there's just, you know, like David had to be at a certain place in his life and I had to be a certain place. And I wasn't even living in Kansas City for most of that time. And spirit, the like without, I don't know how long this podcast needs to go, but there, there were so many experiences that kept bringing me back to Kansas city. I had lived in New York. I was supposed to move to Paris. I had this guaranteed, you know, move with a visa and everything. And then the last minute the visa got rejected and I I was homeless, like no stuff, no lease anymore. Let go of my apartment two days before I found out my visa got rejected and then had to return back to Kansas city. And I'm like, mother truck or why like I, I I'm just like I know that my person is French and he lives over there you know and so it was all of that you know like just trying to bring me back over and over and over so I could be in the right space in the right time to make that manifestation happen and a lot of times when we think bad things are happening in our life it's our spirit guides or or God or whoever you identify with trying to make the way yeah trying to clear the path and we think that some of these things that we've lost Uh, you know, oh, these are huge devastations. I lost this job or I lost this. It's like making space for what it is that you're truly asking for if you're willing to ask for it. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I think that that's such a big takeaway, you know, as this series on the podcast about raising our vibration comes to a close with this conversation is 
are we holding on to things that are keeping us down and Mm -hmm. keeping us lower and creating space for us to call in the things that we want, take up the space we need to take up and, and vibrate as high as, as we're looking to vibrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would add one more thing because a lot of times people get really caught up in um, the idea that they are low vibrational Mm -hmm. and that sometimes causes like low self-esteem, I would say. Yeah. I've, I've had that. I've very recently, I've had to work through that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's coming up a lot lately. I've, I've seen, um, I would challenge people to, um, think of it as denser vibration versus lighter vibration because denser isn't, you know, like people, I guess people think low of themselves. I had someone say, I'm, I hate my lower self. And I was like, wait, what? No, that's, that's your human self. Like you should love all parts of yourself and integrate, but recognize that the, you know, think about a shadow, you know, shadow gets darker as it gets brighter outside. Right. Mm. So you aren't, no one is one thing. Like we are multidimensional beings. And so as the sun gets brighter, as you become more healed and more enlightened and more aware, you will find deeper and darker shadows in yourself. So you are always kind of throttling between the two of, of being in light and happy and space and, you know, all that stuff. And then really getting real with the dark and the dense and, and that's okay. You know, like I believe very firmly in being able to integrate those two pieces because we are light and dark. We are, you know, black and white, if you will. Um, and it, it, in order to raise that vibration, think of it as a range, right? You will, yeah. you will start to throttle between a different levels of range, different frequencies of range. And, and, you know, healing is not linear, it's cyclical. So you may come back to some of these things in order to master them, not because you haven't made progress, not because you're a low vibrational being, but raising your vibration is in a sense is letting go of shit that's, that's holding you down. Yes. So are you, are you willing to take the trash out? That's all. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, yes. I love that. I love that reframe so much. One of the things that I would love to touch on, and and you mentioned it briefly, but I would love to talk a little bit more about it is um, about leaning more into our feminine energy, because that was a a part of your story. I also, I did do manifest them, the course that you have, which is great. I did. I'll link it in the show notes too, so that everyone can check it out because it is a really fantastic course and definitely helped me work through a lot of blocks. And I had some really beneficial breakthroughs for sure. Um, but I really loved the, the emphasis on understanding how to embrace our feminine energy. And so I'd love to talk a little bit more about the importance of that for manifestation and how we can tell if our feminine and and masculine are off balance. Well, this is wonderful because I believe for a lot of people who identify as women, um, in our society, we've been taught and told to be like men. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound controversial, but the idea of, of, you know, I believe feminism is for us to be equal, not for us to be the same. Mm-hmm. And so in our um, energies, I believe, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I believe that, mm-hmm. um, you know, most people that identify as women tend to have a more feminine, energetic, slanted comfort of energy. We all, we all have both. It's the yin and yang, right? Um, we all have all of these frequencies inside of ourselves, but the ones that we reside in more comfortably depend on, you know, what, what our soul is orientated towards, right? 
This has nothing to do with gender, by the way. I just want to reemphasize that. So yeah. what typically happens, the reason why it's probably named feminine versus masculine energetic is that um, the, the feminine wants the inward directed energy. So um, we are wanting to be more receiving, more receptive. Um, the way the feminine energetic way to drink coffee is for the taste and the experience versus um, the effects of it for the efficiency, right? And so what we've been taught is that that part of our nature is not valuable to our society. It's not valued to, to take the scenic route anywhere. It's like, what's the quickest way? What's the fastest way? How's what's the most efficient way? And we've gotten out of balance. And I can say almost probably 99% of my clients are way over in their masculine energetic, trying to push and force and make happen, make shit happen. Right. And that's not a bad thing. It's just that when we spend predominantly more of our time on that side, we don't get the benefits and the balances of the receiving mechanism that feminine energy brings to us. So the feminine energetic, where, where that resides, we get intuition, right? In order to get messages from beyond, you have to be in a receiving place. And so, um, you know, in order to let your spiritual gifts come in, again, you have to be in a receiving place. And so a lot of the people that I coach, um, especially when it comes to relationships are in this, um, I need to force and make happen. So they find themselves with people that tend to be really passive because what, what like attracts like, but also opposites attract, right? Especially mm -hmm. in, and, and the reason why I say like attracts like, like in vibrational frequency attracts each other. But when we come to relationships, we tend to attract the opposite as a way to polarize ourselves and polarization is, um, you know, the attraction factor, right? So I always had the problem where I was growing up, um, you know, with loads and loads and loads of guy friends, but no guy friends wanted to actually date me. And I could not ever figure that out why. And it's because I resided so much in the same energy that they had, like attracts like, that they were like, she's, she's one of the boys. She's, she's my buddy, you know, she's cool. And but not having any sexual attraction because there's no polarity. It's think of uh, magnets, right? Uh, yeah. Magnets of the same charge uh, uh, repel each other. Like they, yeah. you can't even touch them together. You have to turn on the other side and then they attract each other. So um, in that, I was noticing that, okay, if I am in this place where I, when I'm dating, if I'm dating, like it's my job. And if I'm going out, I mean, like, and this isn't, you have to just reply, apply to relationships. This is apply to your normal day life, your work life, even as well. Like a lot of us, even th those of us who are mothers, like mother, mothering is a masculine energetic uh, energy, if you will. And a lot of people mm -hmm. don't assume that because they think like, well, no, it's the feminine energy cl clearly. No, like when you got to get stuff done and multitask and make sure you're keeping a human alive, your masculine energetic is like of prime importance during that time. And so like, it's a, it's a masculine energy thing to have to be in that position. Um, but it's about balancing the two, because if we can't get into a place where we allow people to help us, if we allow people, you know, us to take the scenic route to things, if we allow ourselves to be in a space of receiving, um, that's like someone offering you help. Oh, no, no, I got it. Don't worry. I'll do it. Um, it's, it's the difference between willing something into being and allowing something into being. And while some people may think that those are similar, they're actually very different in energy. If I'm willing something, I'm forcing it, I'm making it happen. It's outward directed energy versus if I'm allowing something to happen, I'm in a more patient stance. I'm, I'm more uh, willing to see how this goes and no expectations. And I'm relaxed about this, right? Um, people like that used to annoy me because I'm like, come on, did you have somewhere to be? Like, 
<laughs> like, hurry up. Like, you know, um, yeah. my, some of my family, they're from the South and they talk really slow and I'm like, speed it up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, but to, to say that for the, for most people, um, because of our society and, and the world that we live in, um, they're imbalanced in their masculine energetic, because that's been what's been taught to be more valuable. And especially for, for black women, um, most of my, my black female clients identify as female, um, are, are in extreme ways imbalanced into their masculine, uh, because it's, it's the way that they protect themselves. It's the way that they keep themselves, um, you know, their, their environment safe, right? Like we do a lot of this controlling behavior because it's a a way to keep ourselves safe. And so I've watched how, um, you know, for some people it's like, okay, well, we're in this relationship. When are we going to get married? When are we going to have the baby? When are we going to have, the, you know, and they're rushing things to feel the satiation of belonging and, and security. And, you know, and we think that we're going to give that to ourselves, but I, 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 I bet that for most people listening, um, who have, you know, that issue or, or that, that knowing, um, in their life that you would prefer if someone else took care of it. Right. Oh, 100%. Oh man. It was so (laughs) nice, (laughs) you know, just to have that off your shoulders, to have that burden released, to not have to worry, you know, to have someone else pick where you're going to go eat. Like everybody makes fun of, uh, you know, women for not, not choosing, uh, food choices. (laughs) And I th- I said, well, that comes from, you know, women wanting to be empathically, like wanting to please, not empathically, I would say societally, that's been an- encouraged to us to be like, oh, make sure that the other person, you know, it's where they want to go to. Totally. Um, but it's also like wanting someone to, to make the choice for them, not because we can't, you know, like, cause that's a misconception too, but because it's nice not to have to, it's an energy exactly. expenditure. Yeah. It's going into our bank account to have to think about what it is that we're going to do. You know, for me, I hate scheduling, right? I hate it. Um, I'm, I'm coming to, to terms with this and I'm like, I'm getting really good at being able to send people an acuity link, which is yeah. like changed my life. But the back and forth of like, oh, what time? Oh, maybe this time. Oh no, I'm not free this time. I can't even do this time. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. It's just always something that's an energy suck for me. And so in that same way, it's because that my feminine energetic doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Like I just, I want, I just want to show up <laughs> mm-hmm. and be there. And then everything's already taken care of. Um, that's not who I've trained to be, but it's who I'd like to be. Um, you know, one last thing that I would love to get your perspective on, and y- you mentioned this a-, a few times was about also having the energy of being empathic. And I think for those who are either an empath or maybe identify as a highly sensitive person. That's how I identify. I don't know if I'm fully an empath, but definitely highly sensitive person. You know, how knowing that about ourselves, can we also navigate spaces and protect our energy when we're very sensitive and easily susceptible to other people's energies and the energies around us? Well, first I would like to say, uh, it is my belief that everyone is an empath. But we are we are trained out of it essentially. Mm. So we are born empathic and born sensitive and born intuitive and born connected, and we're taught that you know we're we're gaslit and we're oh you didn't see that or oh you didn't feel that or whatever. And so we learn how to put up these walls to our ability to feel as a means to be able to survive in our in our world. And so what I do believe is that you know, everybody's empathic to some degree and that you can redevelop those sensitivities. Um, Highly sensitive 
a person, HSP. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also one of those and I'm also an empath at the same time. Um, Empathic to me is just another way to say uh, clairsentient, your clear feeling. You're able to clearly feel what other people are feeling through a significant amount of empathy. Some people have the perspective that empaths are actually people who've had traumatic uh, (laughs) childhoods or had, you know, an unstable parent or emotionally unavailable parent, because you learned really easily how to anticipate the needs of others Mm -hmm. very quickly as a means to protect yourself. So some people think empathicness is as a result of trauma. Um, I'm on the sort of on that side, but more so also on the side that there's, it's a very spiritual energetic thing as well. Uh, Human, sorry, not even spiritual, human thing to be able to connect into those auric fields or whatever. So that being said, um, in our world currently, it may feel like it's difficult to be an empath because to be feel so deeply and to be, you know, so in tune with like how much pain is happening in the world. And also then, you know, have that cross over your electromagnetic field (laughs) and you feel it too, you know, it's like, I don't want to be bogged down by the troubles of the world every single day. And, um, you know, some people, clients that I've worked with have, you know, I'm an empath and I'm drained all the time and I, um, I don't feel good. And like, this is a curse. And I used to feel that way at the beginning of it, but I started to learn, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, this is like a goddamn gift. Okay. (laughs) To be highly sensitive, um, you know, to me is if, if I can utilize it, it's information and the information that is coming to me that, that can help and aid me in some type of situation. So um, for instance, my HSP shows and manifested in sounds I hate, I'm misophonic. So like certain sounds really, really, really bother me. Yeah. And I learned that that's because I have such a high attunement towards frequency that like my throat chakra is wide open. (laughs) And um, I have this connectedness with writing, speaking and listening, hearing. And the way in which I speak to my grandmother and other spirits that come through and whatever, they come through my ability to hear. So certain sounds really bug the hell out of me because there are frequencies that I'm highly attuned to and then others that are very misaligned for me. And so I said, okay, once I can understand that, understand my sensitivities and not think of them as a burden, not think of them as something that's costing me anything, but I can use them to my benefit. Oh man, things changed really fast. Um, In addition to that, I started to learn a little word called boundaries. Yes. (laughs) And boundaries were so important because as empaths, sometimes we tend to be, uh, I would say it, it can go, it can coincide. It's not synonymous, but people pleasers, because we can feel the weight of the world. We want to help. We want to do something. We want to help fix it because if we can fix someone else's pain, then we don't feel in pain because those of us who are clear feeling, you know, it's like, we want to fix the problem. So we don't feel bad. It's almost selfish, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody paints empaths as like, oh, you know, like they're, they're, they're this wonderful, like angelic presence that's here to grace us on the earth, which we are, but uh, <laughs> we can be highly manipulative because it is the purpose in which we need, we need to feel better. We need not to feel drained. We might take on partners that are narcissistic. Um, I did as, as because it's like kind of the perfect storm. They tend to attract each other somehow. Yeah. Um, but in that it's like, okay, now I'm in this perfect storm of trying to have to, um, you know, please this other person so that I can feel better. And the narcissist goes, wonderful. You're giving all this shit away. I'll take it. 
and, and it continues over and over. So boundaries are really important to be able to recognize the people, like I said, again, about the bank account, who you're investing in mm-hmm. and where the energy is coming from, because as impasse, our energy, I believe gets expended a lot faster yeah. because we are, we're sensitive to those things. So um, certain sounds, I noticed that like becoming a mom was really difficult for me as an empath, because there was, first of all, that lack of sleep almost killed me. And, and I say that laughingly and I say that seriously Um, because there were moments that I was like, so disconnected with my child because Mm -hmm. I was like, I just can't function the, the screaming, like it just, it would make my whole nervous system like tight and, and light up my, my neck is still in knots from that first month. (laughs) Um, I really need to go see a massage therapist, but you know, just surely from the energy, the, the, the sensitivity to the energy I was feeling, and so, you know, I say all this because it's like, we, we may at the beginning think that this is a cursed curse, but we need to come to a, a place where we recognize it as a gift. What information can I glean from what, what I'm sensitive to? What do I notice that other people don't notice? What do I pick up that other people don't pick up? You know, for me, it was like, I could hear, um, you know, when, when people weren't talking what they were kind of saying, um, you know, not like I'm hearing their thoughts, but their feelings. And so my uh, funny story, my, my partner is an empath too. So we were sitting in bed uh, a couple of weeks ago and I, we were, I was listening uh, to the fan and the fan makes this really terrible noise. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. We got to turn on the AC unit to, to essentially override the sound of the fan. It was really hot that day. And he, without me saying anything to him, he goes, uh-huh. And I was like, uh-huh, what? And he was like, we need to turn on the AC unit. And I was like, how, how do you know? <laughs> you know? Um, and there have been times where, you know, like, I mean, I know something's going on with him. You know, something's going on with me. There are plenty of people that I've called and been like, hey, you've been on my mind. So, is everything okay? And they're like, oh my God, everything fell apart today. You know, so there are things that you notice because you're sensitive and that should be a good thing. Yeah. So, you know, like we just got through cancer season. I'm a cancer and everybody paints it like cancers are the criers. And I, and I resent that because um, <laughs> they're like cancer season, meh, you know, and I was like, well, all you guys are crying. I'm over here laughing because it's the best season ever. Thank you. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that cancers tend to be penned as empaths. They tend to be sensitive as water signs and, and that there's this idea that we're always crying and we're too sensitive. And like the society makes fun of us because, and, and other empaths, not just cancers, but uh, because there's this sensitivity that people don't, aren't comfortable with you know, to have feelings, to speak your mind, to be vulnerable, to be in a space where you, you can feel hurt. And, and that requires vulnerability, but vulnerability actually, to me, is a superpower. It's a rawness, it's a depth that allows people to be attracted to you. It allows people to feel like they can trust you. It is the vulnerability, like me and you talking right now, I'm sure there are plenty of people that are like, we could be their best friends because yeah. we're talking in ways that expressing who we really are like that, that, that warrants trust. Yes. Garner's trust. And so that, that to me is the gift. And so if you're an empathic person, you're finding you're drained all the time and you just feel like, Oh, I feel too much. And it's too hard. You know, look at, look at, it's a shift, a reframe of perspective to me, because I started to get energized by the things that I noticed that other people didn't. I started to become energized by, you know, my sensitivities and how they can work for me instead of work against me. And I started to learn very quickly about how, how good it is to have good boundaries, to not take on people, um, invest in people, um, try to fix people. Stop doing that. (laughs) Um, You know, that we, we cannot control. 
So uh, once I let go of that, again, the Marie Kondo comes up, <laughs> then I, I, I greatly increased the amount of energy I had on a daily day basis. And it allowed me to be able to utilize my empathicness as a gift instead of feeling like it was a burden. Mm, the reframe of a gift instead of being a burden really, really lands. And I really appreciate that reframe. I know that we shared that for the audience, but I also feel like I personally (laughs) really (laughs) needed to hear that, that that really landed because I have really struggled with allowing myself to tap into a space of vulnerability as someone who is a very sensitive person. I, from a young age, felt a need to be very stoic. And a lot of that was Mm -hmm. from my upbringing and from having adults in my life who were very well-meaning, but almost couldn't handle if I was ever upset or if anything ever happened, they would fly off the handle about it instead of helping me work through feelings and solve problems and also felt very responsible for the feelings and emotions of adults around me at a very young Mm -hmm. age. And so- my way of coping with that was stifling my own emotions and holding them in as much as possible until I just reach points where I just can't and then blow up. And yeah, it's really not the healthiest thing. (laughs) But over the past few years, I really learned to start unpacking that and expressing what does, you know, crying look like for me. Mm I'm totally one of those people who complains about cancer season and complains about (laughs) Pisces season because it does. I, I do. I'm like, why am I over here crying? What is this? I, (laughs) I actually had this epiphany probably about a month ago. It was during cancer season where I just had a bunch of stuff built up that I was just crying. I was letting it out. And at first I was like, what's going on? Because I truly only associated crying with either somebody dying or being on my period. Mm. Like I'd gotten that disconnected from my emotions that Mm -hmm. to me, those were the two times to cry. And I was like, well, neither of those things are happening right now. So what's going on? Yeah. And that was a big wake up call of it's okay to cry during other times too. Mm. Yeah. And also like the energetic healing that happens when you cry, it's to release you know, it's again, like, like decluttering, yeah. you know, a lot of feelings and things that have been holding up that, that where, you know, people are ashamed of crying, but like, Hey man, that like, that is a type of healing that is accessible to us at all times. Yes. Like there are times that I've been to, I've talked to my partner and I was like, you know what? I just need to go cry. And he's like, okay. For sure. <laughs> and it's just, just to release like what has felt frustrating, what I've, what I've been picking up throughout the day. Um, if you think of yourself like a sponge, uh, empaths also often get that kind of rep. <clears throat> and so if, if that's the case, then you need to, to wring it out at some point. Mm-hmm. So release all the extra water that you've picked up. And so I find that that crying is incredibly healing, a deep, deep energy release that helps us renew and, and wash off, you know, the dust essentially. Yeah. That, that reminds me a lot of my younger brother who, I mean, not, this is not an astrology podcast or astrology episode, but as a fun fact, he's a Pisces son. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he was younger, (laughs) maybe, you know what I'm talking about. There was this old Rugrats movie. It was the Rugrats in Paris, which was like this very (laughs) sad movie. And there was this part in the movie where Chucky was sad because he didn't have a mom. And every time we'd watch the movie, my brother would just start just 
crying and he was just so sad for Jackie. So I remember at one point saying, you know, do you want me to turn it off? Do you want me to fast forward it? And he goes, no, I need my cry. And he was maybe like three years old saying that. Mm -hmm. And I I was maybe like 10 or 11 or something, a lot older and was not that in tune with my emotions. And that was (laughs) (laughs) something that I always really admired about him was his ability to just express how he felt no matter what. Mm -hmm. And just you talking about um, us sometimes needing to do that and needing to bring out that sponge kind of reminds me of that story. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I could learn something from, from y'all water sign, water sign people. <laughs> Can I ask what your sign is? I'm a Leo sun. Oh yeah. So welcome season. You en- yes. entering. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. That's why we get along so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. Aaliyah, thank you so much. I feel like this episode just had so much juiciness and so many beautiful takeaways and perspectives and just nuggets that I will be continuing to reflect on and think about. And I appreciate, gosh, everything that you shared. So how can our audience work with you? How can they continue learning from you? How can they keep in touch with you? Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was a beautiful experience for me as well. And, uh, you can find me at the lovely A-L-E-A. You can find me on Instagram at the lovely as well. And then on patreon.com slash the lovely um, where I, I post like my behind the scenes interviews and, um, we have free workshops and so on. You can also work with me at manifestthem.com and download our workshop. And, uh, you can also find me on spiritual shit. So, uh, I'm, I'm talking to people about spiritual things all the time. And you can also book a reading with me. I do card readings at the as well. So amazing. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes. So it's super easy for people to find you and work with you and support your work. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, honey. I appreciate it. Oh, oh my goodness. Now, was that not the perfect exclamation point to our Raising Your Vibration series? Huge thank you to our guest today, Aaliyah Lovely, for being so vulnerable and sharing so many gems with us. And I also want to thank our sponsors for today's episodes for making this show possible. So like I said, this now concludes our Raising Your Vibration series. I'm going to be taking a week off. So we will have a new episode of Balanced Black Girl ready for you in two weeks, starting our new series all about having healthy relationships with ourselves and one another. Y'all, that series is going to be so juicy. I cannot wait to dive into that with you all. We have some incredible guests lined up, so you don't want to miss it. Have a great week, and I will talk to you in two weeks.
Thank you for tuning into Balanced Black Girl. If you enjoyed this episode and feel called doing so, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes and more offerings at balanceblackgirl.com. 